Having a skilled and capable workforce is essential for mission success. However, attracting, hiring, training, retaining that talent, well, as you imagine, it's not very easy. And in fact, it's getting harder as increased workloads lead to burnout. There's failing morale and lower employee engagement scores across the government. So what can be done? Joining us today is Kevin Brooks. Kevin is the field CTO and executive strategy strategist for Defense and National Security at ServiceNow. And Kevin is joining us to talk about how we can better prepare the workforce of the future. So let's start there, Kevin, because <laughs> as we aligned, it's it's hard out here right now. So yeah. what does a future government workforce even look like? Um, wow. So it's going to look multi-generational, uh, much more diverse than it is today. Um, more assertive and wanting an elevated experience. And I'll break each of those down really quickly. So multi-generational, you've got boomers who are still such a large demographic, they're still gonna be working for a while. You've got Gen X in there trying to assert itself a little bit more as they get as they, as they get a little older, but still that, that youthful spring in their step. You got millennials who are getting some sharper elbows saying, wait a minute, I want my time too. And then you got Gen Z who's coming on fast. Mm -hmm. So that's what you have four generations of work. And you, we've had it before with traditionalists, but they are a much smaller generation uh, and boomers quickly replace them in the workforce and they tended to retire sooner. So there wasn't that competition. Boomers are hanging around longer. So it's making it complicated for those three generations behind them to move up into senior positions and to just be able to have a much more fulfilling careers. More diverse. The country is getting more diverse as we go along. Mm -hmm. um, the push for more uh, people of color and women in not just the workforce, but in senior positions in the workforce at the table, helping make decisions and drive company culture is going to be even more important as we look at workforce in the future. And finally, more assertiveness in how they want um, their work life to be. The Especially the Gen Z and millenn younger millennials yeah. really want work-life balance. It's about experiences. It's a lot less about direct compensation. It's about more of that holistic life. Uh, I would say that in the U.S., you will probably see those generations push more for a European model where it's, hey, I don't mind if I make a little less, but I want a 40-hour work week, and I want longer than just two weeks of vacation a year. So I think that's where the workforce is going. It's, it's such an interesting idea and concept. And, you know, I think part of this evolution obviously is stemming from the past two years of dealing with the pandemic and just seeing the, the vast changes that have happened along the way is, is crazy to see so much change happen in two years or two yeah. plus years, I guess, at this point. Yeah, um, and that's going to continue. So, if this new workforce or this new mindset is going to succeed, we're obviously going to need new skills, new kind of pathways forward. How can the government best upskill their current workforce um, in order to make sure that they're heading in the right direction? Okay, well, I start, starting with the current workforce, because I think it's actually more than just upskilling mm -hmm. the current workforce. I think okay. it's also picking the right uh, lanes for the new for new hires, but let's start with the with the upskilling of your current workforce. Okay. Uh, what I say is figure out the workforce you want and the the mission that you're going to have going forward in the future, and start building a robust internal training program. 
the federal government, because I'm a former Fed, sometimes we don't do a good enough job of looking into the future and saying, what does this workforce need to look like? Mm -hmm. And how do I start building that in right now? Uh, let's just use data analytics as an example. Uh, we need to make more data-driven decisions within the federal space. So we need a workforce that's capable and comfortable with working with data. They don't have to be data scientists. There's tons and tons of data analytics software that will help them, but they have to be comfortable with the concept of making decisions based on that data analytics. So you want to build a modern, um, a modern learning platform that helps employees get to where they're going to go and meet your development and their development goals. Secondly, you want to give them tools that allow them to do meaningful work instead of repetitive work so that they can be more fulfilled in that job and therefore get rid of all the stuff that they don't need to do. Um, because upskilling is also care. We talked about the Gen Zs and, then, mm -hmm. and, the, you know, and the millennials. That, that meaningful work matters. And so part of upskilling is also upskilling, the uplifting their experience at work. And I'll talk about that a little later. But And then finally, you want to shift your recruiting model for the future to address the gaps in your current workforce. So the beautiful thing is you can bring in someone at a certain level from outside to fill in a gap while you develop the rest of the force. You can second somebody out to an organization where they can get more experience. And you need a plan for that workforce that reflects your future needs, not just today's landscape. Um, you know, who knows what the next crisis will be? So do you have the right people in the right places who have um, the emotional IQ, the analytic skills, whatever you think your agency needs to support that mission? Yeah. My next question might seem a little obvious based around where this conversation has already gone, but for a lot of a lot of times when we're talking about government services, they have to happen no matter what, right? Like you have to pay your taxes. If you're going <laughs> to apply for your driver's license, you have to go through this. So why does focusing on upskilling and retaining a workforce, why does that even matter? And why should it be something that government agencies focus on? Well, first and foremost, the fight for talent is real. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the government can only hire people who are actually out there looking for jobs and it can't compete on salary alone. So in order to have a well-oiled federal government, state government, local government, whatever it is, you have to have the right people who are willing to do the job, who want to be there, who are motivated by things other than just money. Mm -hmm. um, so, and the fight for talent is not going away soon. We, we talked about the four generations that are in the workforce right now. Boomers and millennials are large numerically. Mm -hmm. Gen X and Gen Z are smaller. Um, and so both of those work, and they're kind of, you know, they're sandwiched around this. As boomers start to retire, there won't be enough Gen Zers to replace them one for one in the workforce. And that will be a problem because Gen X is already smaller. So you have to make sure you're getting the right people and you can, can't afford as many misses when it comes to hiring and recruiting the right people to keep that organization going. Uh, secondly, the future of work and workplaces will shift. And so how do you have the right people and the right workforce in place to maintain corporate culture and tie to the mission when you don't know what that even looks like? You know, it's like, it's like, I'm a, I'm a, I like sci-fi. Okay. And so, you know, Captain Kirk was never afraid to fly into some nebula. 
He was never afraid. But the crew had to believe in Captain Kirk and say, Kirk, boss, gotcha. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a crew that will fly to that nebula with you and be comfortable operating and be able to adjust at the same speed that you are adjusting to it. And so federal government's the same way. It's a nebula. We don't know what the next what the next election cycle will bring, what the next presidential cycle will bring, what the, the world will bring. I mean, who saw Russia and Ukraine a year ago? Nobody. You know, so I'm sure somebody really smart did, but they didn't tell us. But those are the kind of things that you need to have. And so it matters that your workforce is able to adapt. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm a military guy and I use, you know, VUCA is a big term. So volatile, uncertain, volatile, uncertain, chaotic, and ambiguous. Those are usually the, how we plan around something. So you need to have workforce that with some people who are comfortable working in the VUCA. I learned a, a new acronym today. <laughs> I love that. Um, all right. So with all of these considerations in place then, and I know I need, I'm a government agency, I'm in HR, I know I need to go out and I need to go get this talent. You've mentioned it's a competitive job market out there and perhaps the government isn't going to be the highest spender when it comes to salary. What are some ways that agencies can be as attractive as possible to potential employees? Oh, great question. That's a great question. Uh, so one, they, you have fun. Let's start with understanding the labor market they're competing in. Every agency isn't competing in the same labor market as other agencies because, you know, the, the, the nature of what they do. So if you're at USDA, you know, you're competing for agricultural scientists. So understanding your specific labor market is the first thing that you have to be able to do uh, because that's going to drive you to, you know, what type of workforce you want to build. Uh, secondly, providing modern tools for mission accomplishments is an imperative. Uh, we A lot of agencies have external customers, so I would start with building a modern customer experience, and I'll say why I start there instead of modern employee experience, and you can go either way. But most federal employees, again, don't come in just for the money, but they don't want to also let their constituents their, and their citizens, fellow citizens down. They want to do a good job. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to do a poor job today. Nobody. <laughs> and so that is, a, that is the crux of people who come to federal service. They want to do good. They want to help their fellow Americans um, accomplish something, do something, give them information, whatever it is, whatever they're trying to do. So understanding the tools to build better customer outcomes feeds the employee experience. And then you flip it and then you talk about you build that robust internal engagement strategy for your employees, um, no matter where the work setting, it could be on premises at an operating location somewhere, at a field office, in the field, remote, hybrid, whatever. How do you now build a remote engagement strategy that includes uh, ways for a manager to check in on their employee periodically if they're not in the same location? How to allow the, the organization to gather data on the health and well-being, both physically and emotionally, of their workforce. How do you build that common culture across multiple geos? Uh, that's a key to federal going forward. You know, we talk about a hybrid workplace, but if you think about the federal government, it's been hybrid forever. You know, you know, if you work for the National Park Service, you could be a five-person team in Yellowstone, and your boss could be somewhere down in Colorado or in Utah. 
and we've been that way for for a long time. So it's not new. And so in that respect, I think the federal government, if it looks at the lessons learned, really could be ahead of private sector because they've been doing that for quite some time. Uh, that's such an interesting example too, because I think we always think about sometimes the government agencies at the federal, state, and local level being a little bit behind the private sector in a lot of areas. But I think you're absolutely right, especially when you're talking about remote work or field work. You know, yeah. you've got a whole lot of avenues where employees are working in different environments, whether it's food health inspectors or, you know, even your traffic cops, you know, they're, yeah. they're doing things in the field and, and different ways. So that's really, that's a really great point. Uh, I only have a couple questions for you left. Okay, that's fine. The first one is um, one of the concepts that has really kind of come to the forefront this year is employee burnout. For a whole host of reasons, employees across the board are feeling overwhelmed, overworked, and like you don't have boundaries anymore between yeah. work and life and life is complicated. <laughs> how, how do you balance this if you're a manager or an employee yourself, how do you balance this burnout situation that's happening while at the same time I'm trying to get you upskilled and <laughs> moving into different? It feels like a lot. Yeah. Um, so I'll go back to that that last answer I gave about yeah. a, a robust engagement platform. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, digital in modern world, you're you can't be everywhere at once and you can't do all things at once. So you have to be find multiple ways to engage your workforce. Um, in, in an example we, we talk about is the voice of the employee survey here at ServiceNow, which a lot of companies tend to do, but it's, it's really something that we use internally to figure out what our employees are thinking, feeling, and, and, and want to do. We do uh, all hands periodically within the company, at least once a month, and sometimes by geo as well. Um, and then we do manager check-ins and just little things like that. Uh, that's one way to do it because it's like you can no longer have, you don't have the drive-by opportunities as much anymore. Someone doing the desk. And even if you're both working hybrid, maybe your days are off cycle or what have you. Uh, so uh, engaging with your employees proactively, either through a digital or other forum is, is key to number, number one. Um, people are happier in their roles when they're fulfilled, when they're doing meaningful work in a meaningful way and making a difference people are more fulfilled and less likely to burn out because they're not keep hitting the bureaucratic wall. So if you could experience, if you can elevate the customer outcomes through whatever tool that is, uh, you will make your employees much more likely to stay engaged mm -hmm. and less likely to be frustrated and, and hit burnout. And then finally, using those two things together, elevating the customer experience and the employee experience, people will tend to feel more satisfied at the end of the day. So they're less likely to, one, when they're working from home, stay logged on longer because just because they want to get something done and accomplished. If they feel accomplished, they're more likely to say, you know what, it's quitting time. I'm going to push away and go join my family. Or if they're in the office, they're going to say, okay, great. It's time to go. Let me get out of here. I'm, I'm good. I've had a good day. So elevating the work experience and the outcomes for our customers will inevitably help with burnout just because people want to do a good job and they leave emotionally satisfied and they're not carrying that weight with them when they leave the office, wherever that office is. 
I think that's something that isn't talked about quite enough. Um, and I don't know if it's just hitting me today as we're having this discussion, but it is so true, right? When there are days when you are just in back to back to back meetings that maybe could have been an email <laughs> perhaps yeah. or something, yeah. you walk away from your day feeling drained and you're like, what did I even do today? I don't Absolutely. even know what happened versus days where you have some time to truly be productive and meet those mission outcomes, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. You walk away with a different feeling than you do on those days that are just like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can, if you can, if we can automate some of those nitnoid things mm -hmm. so that the human experience is a human experience and you get to solve a tough problem instead of just sitting there for four hours inputting data and hoping the right answer comes out. Yeah, you leave a lot more fulfilled at the end of the day. All right. So we've talked a lot uh, today, Kevin. What do you want our attendees to walk away from this lightning keynote thinking about that they've got in the back of their noggins? So uh, three things. Let's say, well, the future of work is still not clearly defined and won't be for a while. Mm -hmm. So how work will look in the future, the workplace will look like and workforce will look like is still being shaped. As I said before, Gen Z is coming on fast. Millennials are getting sharper elbows. So that they're going to have some change for the next couple of years that aren't related to the pandemic, that are related to just the nature of change. So be prepared for that. Don't think you have to have the final answer today, but continue to look for modern ways to push the envelope. Two, on that note, technology is your friend, and it can help with not just the work, but the engagement piece. Be creative in how you engage your workforce through technology, through digital forums, and get their feedback from that as well and engage in an iterative process of how do we upskill this. And then finally, when we get the customer and the employee experience balanced or get them both right, everybody wins. The mission wins, the people win, leaders win, the country wins. We all win when we get figured out how to get that balance because happy constituents make happy members of Congress, leaders. <laughs> happy employees make a better workforce, which then defeats itself. So, Get the customer and employee engagement experience right, and you'll get much better outcomes at the end of the day. I love that. I want to thank you, Kevin, so much for sharing your insights with us today. You gave me a whole lot to think about, and I know you did for our community as well. But for our attendees, don't you dare go anywhere, because up next, we are closing out this hour by talking about five myths that prevent modernization and what you can do about them.